So he says that we have hope because he is a way maker. I've heard it put this way, if you're not confident in the authority of the scriptures, you'll be a slave to what sounds right. And so our focus is on what does God's word have to say for us? How could he be a way maker? Our passage for, the, uh, for this particular week is found in Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 3. Listen to this. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord. Now listen to this. To the one who created you, the one who formed you, the one who says, do not be afraid because I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I mean, just think about this. The one who created us, the one who formed us, the one who ransomed us. He says, do not be afraid. In fact, I know your name. I've called you by name and we belong to him. Given all of that, it says, when you go through deep waters, what does he say? I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you won't drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the one of Israel, your Savior. Maybe the two statements you might want to jot down would be this. God can and God cares. He's a way maker. God can do whatever he wants in our lives. And he cares about us. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that our hope would be in you and you alone. Thank you that you created us, you formed us, you called us by name, that you have plans to give us a future and a hope. We're not to be afraid. And when uh, we lose control of all things around us, it says that you are with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us because you care for us. Father, I pray in the midst of all the things that are just the unknown, the things that we no longer have control over, God, I pray that you would remind us how much you love us and care for us. May our hope be in you and not in circumstances. May we trust that your word is true. Father, I pray that we would put our hope and trust in you and in you alone. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'd be honored to pray for you this week. Uh, if you want to have specific prayer requests, us in particular, us praying Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 3, uh, you can just send it to office at newcovchurch.org, office at newcovchurch.org. We would be honored to pray for you. And Father, we pray that uh, we would put our hope and trust in you, especially in this season. I pray that you would be with the, the, those in health care. God, protect them, give them insight. Uh, Give them wisdom beyond what they normally would have. Give them protection. Father, I pray for our leaders and our president and all those that uh, are involved in just helping to guide our nation and guide our world. God, may our hope be in you. Would you reveal to us uh, what you want to teach us through this? And, uh, Father, we pray for protection. We pray for healing. And we pray uh, that we would see uh, more and more people turning their hearts toward you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this past week, I had an opportunity to hang out uh, with four other pastors, and uh, we were just talking about uh, just obviously the things that uh, are going on in our world. And uh, Stu Kearns was one of the pastors I was talking to, and he said this uh, seemed like uh, one of the times that when their church had burned down and, uh, at, uh, at his church, and they were talking about that uh, one of the things that they were trying to do during the time of the church burning down was to say, so how do we get through this? And the, everything they were doing was to get through this. 
And one of the things that struck me that uh, Stu said was that he did not want to miss out on what God wanted to do through this. And so the prayer that I have adopted after hanging out with uh, four of the pastors is this, Lord, don't just get me through this. Certainly, we would all pray that we would get through this. But don't just get me through this, but do, but what do you want to teach me through this? What do you want to teach me through this? And we don't miss out at all on what God wants to do. Well, our passage today that will be in particular will address some of the things that we uh, have been talking about the last couple weeks and even into the conversations that I had with my four other uh, pastor friends. It's found in Acts 17. I'll give you a minute to find that, Acts 17, uh, verses 26 to 27. It's a passage that will be familiar to most of you, uh, but I think it will have uh, new meaning today uh, given our circumstances. And in Acts 17, here's what it says, From one man he made all the people of the world. Now they live all over the earth. He decided exactly when they should live. He decided exactly where they should live. And God did this so that people would seek him and perhaps would reach out for him and find him, though they they would find him even because he is not far from many of us. I just think this is amazing to be, to be reminded that God is with us, certainly. But even before the foundation of earth, He decided when we should live. He decided when you should live. And not only did He decide when you should live, but He made a decision of where you should live. God knew exactly what was going to happen because we live in a fallen world. And He planted you and me exactly at this particular time and where He has us at this particular time. And we do see this in verse 27, that God did this so that people would seek Him. You and I have been placed in an amazing arena where people need to seek God, and He wants to use you and me to, to bring Jesus to the people around us. Given that, given the fact that He knew when you should live and where you should live so that people around us would come to know Jesus, we must not, let me put it in first, uh, in, in, in a little more specifically, you must not underestimate the significance of where God has you today. Don't underestimate it. Don't think that it's, this is for somebody else. No, this is exactly for you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, don't underestimate what God wants to do through you in this, in this particular time. God has you exactly where He wants you, exactly where He needs you. And I share this because God wants to do something here and now through us. I'm praying that there would be an awakening like we've never seen before. For years, I've always prayed, saying, God, I'd like to be a part of awakening. And I've been part of where we've seen God move in certain seasons, and then it seems to be steady state, and then a, another movement of God. But nothing like the opportunity here. And I think we are prime position for people to recognize we don't have control and we need access to the one who does control all things. And that would be certainly God. So we must be followers of Jesus where people are seen, they're known, they're loved, they're pursued, and they're cared for. We've been called to reach our community. We've been called to reach our world. We've been called to reach our next generation with the good news of Jesus Christ. So I want to take you to several passages, and uh, there are some uh, small group discussion questions that we will be able to uh, get to you as well uh, that will have, have some discussion with your small groups uh, when you're meeting online. But the first verse I want to take you to is Esther 4.14. It's in the Old Testament, 
And at the plot of this, Queen Esther happens to be a Jew, but there is a plot in that community, in that nation, to kill all the Jews. There's a guy named Mordecai. Mordecai is her uncle. And he comes to her and he says this in, in Esther 4.14. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther was placed exactly where she needed to be and, and exactly where God could use her the most. And Mordecai just reminded her, hey, you need to realize that who knows, God may have put you into the kingdom, into the relationship with the king for such a time as this. So let's quickly put it to first person and, and second person in this. You and I were created to be culture-changing agents. You and I, you have been created to be a culture-changing agent right now where you are, not later on, but right now. Now, that may sound grandiose to you. In fact, that may sound a bit hyperbolic, but think about it. Jesus didn't die so we could hang on until he finally shows up. If that was God's goal is for us to receive him and then, uh, and then to join him in heaven immediately, then we would be transported the minute we invited Jesus Christ into our hearts. We would be transported into the kingdom. But that is not God's ultimate goal only. Yes, he wants to have a relationship with you and me so that when we die, or if he returns first, that we would spend eternity in heaven with him. But that is not his only goal. His goal is that he would use you and me to share uh, Jesus with others, to point them to Jesus. That's why we are going to be relentless in pursuing genuine faith, where we're around people and we point them to a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, authentic relationships that we would nurture the relationships that God has us around, has us around at this particular time and for us to have meaningful impact, that we wouldn't just pull up the drawbridge and hide, but that we would begin to make contact and pray for one another and to serve one another. So the question that we want to look at is, why are we driven then for genuine faith? Why are we driven for authentic relationships and meaningful impact? Those three things are driving us, and why? Let me take you through several things. One, here's God's heart. If we want to have God's heart, we need to understand God's heart. A very familiar passage, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. In fact, he loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. God loves every human being. In fact, you will not cross paths with anyone whom Jesus did not die for. He loves them, and he, his desire is that all would come to know him. In fact, in fact 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord isn't slow in his promise, as some think, in, in returning. No, in fact, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. God's heart is that he loves people. His God, God's heart is that he delays his return so that more people can come to know him. Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were actually turning our hearts against him, while we were in an about face and moving away from him. He still loves us and pursues us. And he loves you and cares for you and wants desperately to have a relationship with you. That is what an, a genuine faith is all about. A genuine faith is one as a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's God's heart. So what is God's call? God's call for those who know, who know Jesus Christ, one of them is found in Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. 
Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Verse 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will be drawn to God, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I mean, think about this. Where is salt best? It's where, it's, where there is no taste at all, and salt comes in, into, uh, into relationship with whatever it needs it, and it spices things up. Where is light best seen? Light is best seen where there's darkness. And so Jesus says, here's what I want you to understand. You are salt in your community. You are light where you are. And, and, and he wants us to live our lives in a way that when people are around us, they're just drawn to Jesus. That they don't see someone who is totally self-absorbed and egomyopic. Instead, where they're around us and see us at our best and see us at our, see us at our worst and still are drawn to Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20, here's another way that describes God's call for us. For we are Christ's ambassador. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You and I represent God to others. One other verse, 2 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, You are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. You are a holy nation, God's own possession. As an ambassador, the goal of an ambassador is to represent the one who he, he's uh, living under, and he, he represents him every day, all the time, in everything they do. He is simply pointing, he represents God in this case, represents God to those who are around us. Your purpose in life is to make visible the presence of Jesus. Make that visible to the life of, other, to the life of others around us. That is God's ultimate goal, is to make the invisible presence of Jesus visible to the lives of those around us. And so as we have contact with those immediately in our home, as we walk past those in our neighborhood, that we would represent Jesus Christ in, in, a, in a good way. So the question then, given that we know God's heart and God's call, then what is our response going to be? And I want to remind us of our uh, focal passage last week, which was Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, and remember, this context of this is in the midst of a nation that was falling apart. The king had died, and he said, The Lord said, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Don't underestimate the significance of where you are today. Our tendency is to say, well, once we get through this, then I'll make these changes. No, don't underestimate the opportunity. So let me cut to the chase. Start where you are. Sometimes that's the hardest place is at home because everybody knows us well. They know our our. Uh, our shadow side of us. They know the, the side that's not always the, the polished side. But this is a place where God wants to teach us something through this, that we would start immediately with the people right around us, those that we are in clo- close proximity to, that we would, uh, we would say, I want to let, let, live my life in such a way that people are drawn to Christ, not repelled from him. Care about your circle. So as you care for those that are in immediate context, the next concentric circle, that you would make contact 
in, in whatever way is, uh, is most familiar to you, but you make contact with the next group. Check in on people. Find out how they're doing. Don't wait for people to call you. Don't wait for people to text you. You be the aggressor. God has planned for exactly where you would be. He has exactly planned uh, the time you would be there, and he's put you in relationship right now with the people closest to you and then your concentric circles that move from there on out. Don't underestimate where God has you. This is a huge opportunity for God to do something in you and then through you. You've heard this before in your current situation, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're divorced, widowed, working at home. Most of us are there. A parent, rich or not so much. God wants to start here and now. He just needs you to be available. And he can make you able to do what he's called you to do. So as I attempt to land the plane, so to speak, here. What is our strategy going to be? We find our strategy in First Chronicles 4.10. It's an unusual passage, one you may have heard in, in years past. But here it is. This is Jabez's prayer. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Notice this. And God granted his request. Apparently, Jabez knew what God wanted. At that time, God wanted to enlarge the territory. And so Jabez joins God in that call. And it says, and God granted his request. The key is knowing what God's call is. Well, we know God's heart. God's heart is that everyone would come to know him. God's heart for us is that we would be his representative, that we would we would follow God's heart and follow God's call, that wherever we go, that we would be salt, we would be light, that we'd be his representative. That is an opportunity. So when you pray for God to enlarge, in this case, we don't want to pray for God to enlarge our territory. What we want to start praying as a family of, of New Cove is God enlarge our hearts. God, I, the, for me, God enlarge my heart, enlarge my heart for those that are nearest to me in my concentric circle relationships. God enlarge my heart for the next group. God enlarge my heart for my neighborhood. God enlarge my heart uh, for those that, that I have influence with and for those that you placed in my pathway. God, enlarge my heart. And the beauty of this is God's going to answer that call. Why? Because it's God's heart is for the people that he's placed around you. God's heart is that you would be salt and light. We know that it's his call. And God is going to answer that. The key is going to be whether you're going to say, God, would you enlarge my heart? And so we start with those closest to us. We're going to ask God to enlarge our heart for others. And here's my take on this. If our hearts are enlarged for those around us, the expanded territory will take care of itself. I read this last week in the latest Gallup uh, survey that only 24% of Americans believe in the authority of God's Word. Now, if that is the case, that if only 24% of Americans believe in the authority of God's Word, what will they believe in? Well, God has put you in relationship with them so that you can serve them, so that you can enter into authentic relationships, uh, meaningful relationships with them, so that when they are around you, they see the presence of God, they see the, the, the salt that you bring, they see the light that you bring, that you are able to uh, enter into relationship with them and care about them. They may not care about Scripture, but they care about you. And because God has given you an opportunity, Acts 17, here we come back to the start focal verse, Acts 17, God placed you exactly where he wants you. 
So as a church, we're going to respond. And I'm asking you to respond. And there are a couple ways that we're responding. We're in the process of working this, and hopefully uh, things will be up and running this week, if not already. But there are a couple ways that we are wanting to do. One, there's two phrases. I want to help or I need help. I want to help or I need help. That's on our uh, website. You can go to our COVID response. And if you are able to help, and what does that mean? If you want to say, I want to help, there are numerous things, and that list may grow. The, the topics might grow as we go, but we're just fluid as we're going. But one, if you're willing to shop and deliver, shop for people and deliver, then we need to know that. If you're willing to make contact, our goal is to make contact with everybody who calls New Cub their church family to make contact and just check in with them. And if you are one who can't get out, you can probably make phone calls. And so we will be able to get names and numbers to you and uh, be able to make contact with those that need help. And taking prayer requests, uh, we uh, would talk about that in just a moment. We have a number of people who are already sewing uh, masks for our uh, health, health workers. And if you are capable of sewing and would be able to help, then click on that and go down uh, to that particular area and say, I'm willing to do some sewing. If you want to join a COVID prayer team, what we're doing is those who, uh, who have specific needs in this arena, if you say, I'm willing to pray for those that are struggling, then we need your name and we'll start uh, passing prayer requests on to you. Maybe you are the complete opposite of me and you have the capable of fixing things. Then you say, I'm just capable of fixing things. And so... Uh, as needs come up in some people's homes and you're willing to get out and to help people fix whatever they need fixed, then you can do that. And uh, that is how we're starting at this point. So I want to help. The other is uh, I need help. They're not knowing yet what's going to happen in our community, but we're planning ahead just in case. And you may need some help. And so whatever that, whatever that help is, we don't want you to not contact us. So we would want you to contact. Or you may be in contact with some of your uh, concentric circle of relationships, and they need help. And so we want to be part of reaching out into our community. So let me close with this. 1 Corinthians sixteen nine. Paul is talking to the Corinthians. And listen to this. 1 Corinthians sixteen nine. A wide door for effective work has opened for me. And listen to this. And there are many adversaries. It, this, I mean, think, think about the extremes here. A wide door for effective work has opened up. And that is the case for us. God has dropped people who are in need right around us. Some right in our homes, some next door. God has dropped a huge opportunity for the people of God to be the voice and the hands and the feet and, and the eyes of Jesus and the ears of Jesus. When you make phone calls to people, you get to be the caring part of Jesus to others. Don't underestimate what God wants to do in you and underestimate what God wants to do through you. It is never too late for you to respond by saying, count me in. I love that verse in, in sixteen nine of Corinthians because it says, uh, he's opened a huge door for effective work, but there are many adversaries. There are so many reasons why it would just be easier to just say, I'm not going to enter into any of this. I'm just going to focus on my own particular needs and be very inward. There are so many ways for us to reach out, and there's so many reasons not to. What I would pray is that you would just pray and say, God, what would you have me to do? Do you want me to shop and deliver? Do you want me to make contacts from just 
in my home? Do you want me to sow? Do you want me to be on a prayer team? I can fix things. God, help me not to miss out on an amazing window of opportunity to serve. So here's what I'm asking you to do. And on Facebook, just respond, count me in. That you would pray and say, God, enlarge my heart, count me in. God, enlarge my heart, count me in. God, I want to help, count me in. As I close, uh, there is just the pastoral side of me uh, takes over at this point. There's a passage in number six, and our worship uh, team is going to, Uh, sing this amazing song, but this is what I want you to leave with. It is found in number 6, 24 to 26, and it says, May the Lord bless you. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord smile on you. May the Lord be gracious to you. The one who created the universe, the one who created you, the one who put you exactly where he wants you to be for such a time as this, May that God bless you. May he protect you. May he smile upon you. May he be gracious to you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. That's probably the most intimate thing a person can do is to be face-to-face with someone. And it says the Lord wants to be face-to-face upon you. As you listen to the song, maybe you just want to open your hands and allow uh, our, our team just to let them be the voice of God. Let them be the, the music of God. Let them be the ones who sing over you to bless you, to keep you, to protect you, for you to realize that his God loves you and that he wants his favor to be upon you and that his face would be upon you. New Cub, may God bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord give you peace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.